Welcome to Insights. This is Paul Ellis, Managing Director of Ellis Wealth Management, where we encourage you to invest in what you love. Ellis Wealth Management is an independent financial services firm focused on planning, advice, coaching, and investment management. We are dedicated to the families we serve, and we encourage you to invest in what you love. Within Insights, we look at ways to make our world richer through focusing on sharing, and developing human capital. Well, all right. What a great, great day it is in the beautiful Pacific Northwest. Um... The sun is taking a little bit of a hiatus, and the the wind and the rain are back. But it's a beautiful day. I'm really pleased today. We have a special guest. Um, I'd like to introduce to you my sister, Joy. Hi, Paul. <laughs> Hi, Joy. And we are really blessed. Joy has agreed to share her experience as a as the person going through the journey of mental health. We hear a lot about mental health today. Uh, we have we hear from a lot of mental health professionals as to what they think, what they are prescribing, but we don't get to hear very often from people that we know who are actually in that journey themselves. And my sister has a unique uh, story to tell regarding her journey in mental health, and she's agreed to join us today. So again, thank you so much for being here today, Joy. Well, thank you for having me on. I've listened to your podcast, and I am excited to be on it. Um, I will do my best to truncate my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about your your experiences. What was it like being as a child having to deal with certain feelings and emotions and how you looked at the world and then just share your path up to this point? Well, um, if I want to fast forward to my official diagnosis, I was diagnosed with ADHD and Asperger's, which now is known as autism spectrum disorder, um, which really clarified a lot. Most things contextualized pretty much my entire life experience. Um, and as a child, um, I mean, I always knew something was a little off. <laughs> something was different the way I built my relationships and interacted with peers and adults. And um, our mom really struggled to help me regulate my emotions. I was either... You know, my emotions were in extremes. It was extreme terror, extreme excitement, mm. um, frustration, elation, like heavily invested in certain interests, no longer, you know, ex- completely uninterested in the things I wasn't currently wrapped up in, difficulty with processing and learning and integrating myself into classroom situations. So being homeschooled really helped, you know, I, I was able to set my own pace in a way. Um, and I did learn with other kids too. Um, and then eventually I would go into private school for a few years, which, um, really highlighted my difficulties. Um, but it was around 12 years old 
when I started uh, different medications and diagnoses. And back then, autism spectrum disorder wasn't really the diagnosis du jour like it is today. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't really know a lot about it, especially in, in girls. So there were quite a few misdiagnoses in my my journey and different medications and cocktails of medications that would just fl- flip me in one direction or the other. It was uh, my mom. Look, our mom did her absolute best um, to try to learn ab- about what I was experiencing and and help me through that. But I don't. I don't really blame anybody. Um, it's also really difficult for a child to explain to a psychiatrist and a therapist what they're experiencing and. Uh, their context at the time was bipolar disorder, depression, you know, generalized anxiety disorder. And there really is no medication that's targeted towards autism spectrum disorder. It's neurological disorder yet anyway, right? Hopefully Mm -hmm. one day. Mm -hmm. But um, so it was a lot of confusion. And, um, you know, with with, with me, I always seek to find my people. Um, They tend to usually be weirdos in some form or another, or there's something off about them that I, that I, um, cling to. Um, I make friends very quickly, um, but sometimes they're the wrong friends. And I think, um, I, I did find those people. Um, and for me, I was constantly seeking a sensory experience or something that would numb certain, certain triggers, um, emotional triggers. Uh, so, and I went down a path of experimenting with drugs and drinking a lot, and that made made things a lot better and a lot worse at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also hard to tell. It was hard to tell with me because I was so um, I could turn on a switch so quickly emotionally and isolate or be very sociable that the signs of like drug use and drinking were easy to mask. I suppose mm-hmm. um, so. I got a, I got away with a lot until, you know, I got DUIs. I got I just a lot of spiraling downwards. I throughout my uh, I was going to to school for a while for college. Um, like I had this thing in my head. All I wanted to be was a funeral director. Um, so after community college, I went to um, school for funeral services. Had all my prereqs to do and all that and. Um, would do really well, but then would do really terribly. I had a really hard time keeping up. And then, you know, substances made that even more difficult. Um, long story short, I'm very, I was very close to finishing school and didn't, but, um, and that's not an, that's not an easy, uh, that's not an easy degree to go after. I mean, there's science and yeah, (laughs) all, all kinds of things that that's not a profession that a lot of people look at, but it's a highly respected profession and it takes a lot to get into that profession i i have a lot of curiosity with just the human body i wanted to be a taxidermist when i was little and that didn't pan out but i don't know if i would have been good at it actually i really don't but for some reason that was just what stuck in my head i did a job shadow in ninth grade at wigan and sons and ballard and i was like this is it but yeah, the chemistry, chemistry, I took it three times, never passed. It was really hard. Um, I, I, I tried going the accommodations route um, with my schools and uh, certain classes, they had extra help available, but the sciences, it was like there was nothing. It was bone dry. Um, and it felt like I was constantly swimming upstream when it came to college. 
navigating the route of accommodations and and ticking things off boxes that was like a full-time job on top of that you had homework and learning concepts um, and I felt like my passion was just like just waving at me for out of reach and um it was just it just it's been unfulfilled but and maybe one day but I, you know I have these interests and their passions but they they either burn out or they don't it's hard for me to see how they apply to the working world mm-hmm. and longevity um so basically what I'm doing now I'm working at a grocery store did I want to do that when I was little no I like cashiering. It's the thing is the things that I'm good at and the things that give me energy. I find that I'm getting that out of what I'm doing at the moment. What I don't like is perceiving the future and thinking, I don't be doing this at 50 years old. Oh my gosh, I'm a loser. I didn't do what I needed to do. Like compared to my people, my family, my friends, you know, I have a huge existential like complex, I suppose. But what's really helped is I got, I finally found a great therapist when I was in my early 20s. Our mom, um, she was at Hamilton Middle School as a teacher's aide for the special ed group. Um, I think that's where she kind of, oh, that, that uh, a, little, a little alarm bell went off like, oh, maybe Joy is autistic. Thanks to her, she, she found a therapist that specialized in that specific area. And when I heard my, when my therapist introduced that idea to me that I could be possibly on the autism spectrum, I freaked out. Like, I YouTube did immediately autism, and what I saw was just, like, you know, people chewing on their sweatshirts and, and screaming and rocking back and forth. I can't say I haven't done those things before, but <laughs> I didn't want that to be my identifier, and I, like, was so terrified it was going to isolate me further. But as time went on, um, it really opened up just an understanding of, you know, and a context of all the all the weirdness, all the intrusive thoughts, the things that were debilitating, the things that I liked about myself, and I had her for um, for about a, longer than a decade, actually, and she helped me, w- you know, with, you know, navigating my alcoholism and going through AA and um, finding jobs, and she didn't hold my hand, but she just kind of, shot, you know, had a flashlight showing me the next step, but mm-hmm. it was up to me to take that next step, and I was stubborn for a long time, and I still am, but um, today I think she's my biggest influence because I have her voice in my head when I hit that meltdown point, but I'm still going to hit that meltdown point at some point. It's, I just, I know how to like stretch it out a little longer. It allows you to be in control of, of certain elements that maybe you weren't, you didn't feel that you were as in control of previously. There's a lot of shame around losing control over yourself um, and your emotions and your inability to regulate them. Um, being afraid of that lack of control makes it worse. It exacerbates it. It's like I can watch a horror movie and it, you know, as a child, it scared me so badly. And now as an adult, I can appreciate the special effects and what went into it. And it's like I can kind of understand the mechanics behind my behavior and appreciate it and also not um, feel compelled or terrified of of them or alienated by them. Well, that's a huge step. There's... A lot of people who have a hard time managing their emotions and their internal voice and to be able to get your arms around it with, you know, either with the help of a professional or for some people just starting to recognize, hey, look, I've, I've got to really devote myself to understand myself 
because I'm making decisions or reactions based off of these things called emotions, and they may or may not uh, be delivering to me the output or the consequence that I would like to Mm -hmm. continue having to deal with. Yep. And so getting their arms around that, that that's that's huge. I mean, I think there's a there's a scripture that says the man who can control his own temper or his own person is stronger than the person who can take a city. It's not an easy task. It's not an easy yeah. task for a CEO and for someone who was having additional challenges getting their arms around those emotions cuz I think you were you were saying those emotions were really real to you. I mean, they were front and center. Is is yeah. that correct? Oh yeah, they. My everything else in my body would shut down just to f- focus and nurture or take care of whatever that was was on the forefront of my emotional my emotions, basically, which is a neurological thing. But that doesn't mean it's the end all be all. I think having empathy for yourself helps, but also. You know, my therapist was never uh, syrupy in, in her candor with me. It was, well, like, her biggest thing she would say was, are you going to die? But I have to do this. I have to do that. Like, I don't know. Like, are you going to die? No. Well, then then that's the good news. Now you can look at all the things you're that worried about. And if it's not that, then this is not. The thing is, my flight or flight uh, gets triggered by I create an emergency, I have an emergency response to things that are not emergencies. And I want to save the energy for the actual emergencies, you know, because that's, those are useful triggers to have. I just, you got to, you got to, you got to store that energy for the big stuff. So it's still Mm -hmm. a process, but um, that's useful with driving. It's useful for dealing with people and dealing with customers for new schedules, new environments, traveling. Um, it's still difficult for me, but, um, you know, practice does help. Well, that's excellent. So what are some of the other unique skills that may have helped you in managing these mental health frustrations? I would say being able to use my – when I'm in my head, I'm in my head. I'm very creative. I'm expressive. I – no, when my boyfriend's when Tracy's home with me, I, I feel comfortable enough to be myself. But when I'm alone in the house, I will sing, I will dance around, I will make games out of my chores. I'll, I'll talk to myself all day long. Um, I I've I can entertain myself quite well. Um, so that that helps keep my spirits up. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say as far as the workplace goes. Um, I'm a very empathetic person. I does people on the autism spectrum. Um, there's a stereotype that we don't feel empathy and we, we we don't understand people's emotions. We can't read people. And for the thing is, we read people at face value very easily. So people are very vague or they aren't t- interacting with you in a way that really reflects how they feel about you. It feels very personal. So I've talked a lot about talked a lot about that with my therapist and learning and understanding, you know, how to remove yourself from somebody, how somebody engages with you or doesn't engage with you, you know, quit trying to win people over, but treat them, you know, still treat them with kindness and with enthusiasm if you can. But, you know, I, I have people that are completely indifferent to me, which drives me absolutely crazy or, you know, 
Do, do you go to Safeway and, uh, you, you know, think about, oh, I, I hope my cashier knows how much I don't hate them? No. So I, I feel like I'm learning how to remove myself from what I'm, the feedback I'm getting. And I am, I really do enjoy being kind with people and people do respond to that. It gives me like such energy and it can carry, I can carry that over the next hour and the next hour. So I get, I get my energy from people. So this is a great job for me. Now people, other people on the spectrum might not feel that way, but I, I think once you understand what, why you enjoy what you enjoy, you can find aspects of that within your job and really cling to that. So that's kind of how I've managed. Well, that's an excellent point. That's an excellent point. There's a lot of people that have jobs and they haven't found what actually drives them in that job. Another thing I just want to add is that for me especially, um, especially people that have, have had a hard time integrating into society or social structures or jobs, I need an, a, a tangible way to feel that I've done something right. I've accomplished something or I've helped move something along. And I've had a lot of jobs where you do all this work and it's like, all right, well, here's the next pile of work. You do all that work. The next, there's absolutely no re- positive reinforcement. I mean, it's one thing to get that from your boss, but you really want to get that from the people who are coming to your workplace as a business, like right. your customers, you know? So it just, it sounds so silly, but you know, just cashiering, it's like, Oh, I did it right. You know when you did something wrong. It can fix little problems and that that gives me the little energy boost to the next thing. And I feel my sense of self and my self-esteem like just does so much better with that with that type of reinforcement. Well, that's excellent. That's really excellent. So outside of work, and you're an extremely creative person, you always have been. You have always <laughs> had a a real gift for all types of uh, creative items. What do you have a passion for outside of work? Well, I find as I'm getting older, I'm not quite utilizing my creativity like I used to as a child. You know, you're, you have more responsibilities and just you, you become more detached from your child self and your, your willingness to go through and create things. But you're a great inspiration for that, though, because I see you doing projects like your podcast and you plank around on your guitar and sing, and you, know, you actually have a good voice. I love to sing in my karaoke microphone, but I would I will be six feet under before somebody listens to anything I record. But I still feel like it's 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 a good way to to it's a good investment of my energy and makes me feel good. Um, I like making birthday cards for people. They're a little odd looking, but um, and silly, but they're fabulous. <laughs> Thank they you. are fabulous. I, you know, I just it's it's. I would get sued for copyright infringement if I ever tried to sell them, but you know how much you know how much cards go for now? They're like five and six dollars or eight dollars. You know if they yeah. have some sort of yours are easily fifteen. Well, that's uh, like I said, um, copyright infringement. I use a lot of I borrow. Well, it's just it's just between family members <laughs> yeah. and friends, right. so you know that you know oh, that uh, we're not we're not invoking that. I'm just no. saying that the creativity that's in, employed is fabulous. I appreciate that. I, I, I also, I love horror movies. Um, my boyfriend loves horror movies. Which you is, like scary movies. Absolutely. Let's, if I could just watch those all day long, I would. Um, I love listening to all different kinds of, of music and um, just something that, I like anything that feels like I'm shaking out all of my intense emotions and then I can calm down. Um, God, I, I liked rock rock hunting. 
Uh, yeah, I have too many rocks now, so it's going to be a while before I go back to that. There are things I like to do, but it's really hard for me to ver- verbalize my hobbies because I think I don't have any. So, but no, I guess you, I do. <laughs> but you do, you yeah. do, and you and you've all, and you and you like the the scary movies, um, not because for their macabre aspects, but the the connection with the mind and the special effects. And things of that nature. It's a way of also processing, like, things I'm afraid of. I had a lot of intrusive ah. thoughts as a kid, like, just horrific thoughts. Think I was, I was, you remember, I'd be terrified going to bed at night. I'd have to have a, a ritual and, and bang my head against the pillow to pass out so I could go to sleep. I was constantly terrified, you know, demons and blah, blah, blah. Just, I'm just. Or the sp- birds, the birds, like. Uh, oh, Hitchcock. I mean, Hitchcock, you know. Hitchcock, yeah. I'm, that doesn't scare me. I don't want a bird landing on my head, but it's spiders. That's another one. So wa- watching something play out, it's it's a good way for me to process that part of my brain that can sometimes antagonize me. So, I mean, I think it's like that for a lot of people. If that makes sense, yeah. No, it's it's, 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 it's <laughs> no, it's interesting. I mean, yeah. and it's you know, there's different people who like different genres. Um, so. What message of hope would you like to share with maybe a parent who has a child who is having some issues and they don't know quite how to diagnose things? It took a while for them to diagnose your situation. Yeah. Uh, what what sort of encouragement would you have for those parents? Well, and it's hard because you plop a kid into therapy and there's an immediate, like, revulsion uh, or or just i would say it's difficult to talk to an adult as a kid and and trust them with your feelings Mm. um i think establishing that relationship with your kid before you have them see a professional is important um, because kids need to learn how to communicate with an adult they trust and you know it was helpful having older siblings you and marvin and mark um that really helped and uh and you know what just look at yourself as a parent and consider the relationship you have with them. You're not perfect. They're not perfect. It can be a struggle, but, and also knowing that your parent will accept you period full stop. I mean, it's one thing it's, it's healthy to worry about your child, um, to have concerns for them, to want to help them. But if you get any whiff of a parent rejecting or, or if, if you can, if, if it seems like there are consequences to disclosing certain things to them, consequences that aren't beneficial to you um, or that can, will inhibit your ability to express yourself, then you'll, you, won't, you won't communicate with them in that way. And, you know, therapy is not perfect. I had 99% of my therapists I never connected with. I think that they did the best they could, but it wasn't the right fit. So you do have to... <laughs> Do some shopping around, and that can take a long time. It's it's a privilege to be able to have benefits, um, you know, to have insurance to do that, and mm-hmm. not everybody does. So it can be a a, a, a a privileged access point. So not every and not everybody has that. But just sharing with the child, hey, look, I love you. Full stop. Yeah, you know, we're in this together, knowing that. Hey, look, you can tell me, tell me how you're feeling. Your feelings are your feelings. You know, you, you, you shouldn't get punished for your feelings. No, you, you shouldn't. And here's another thing. If you're a single parent, if, if, if you, if you've got 
two parents, 10 parents, I don't know. Are you in therapy? You want your kid to go through through therapy, but have you set a precedent for communicating with help? If you don't seek help, why why would I why would I want to look up to a parent and follow what they're saying if I've never had that example? Mm-hmm. You know, seeing your parents communicate with one another and to have a spat and to talk it out and to tell you maybe why that happened, you know, not give you every detail, but you know, ex- how they communicate their relationship to you is also important. Um, so communication, that's, that's, I guess that's, that's just a, that's a huge one. Role model, the communicate, role model right. communication. I think pretty much everybody needs therapy now. I doesn't, I don't think everyone has to have it, but if, if, if therapy is something you think your child may or may not need, um, or may need actually, um, it's helpful to get, have some sort of example of that. Well, times are definitely stressful yeah. and stress really plays on people's emotions and being able to manage your emotions is critical in making good decisions, I mean, across the board. Yeah. So, well, that is terrific. Is there anything that you'd like to share that we haven't covered? Any question that you'd like to answer that I didn't ask? Well, I do want to say I think I think it's great, you know, today you got, you got TikTok, you got Instagram. What? Well, especially with TikTok, I'm embarrassed to say that I, I've got that. But um, with the younger generation – Generation Z, it can be a little overwhelming at times and a little grating on the nerves how, you know, everything is self-care, like emotion, like like mental health this, like, like, like who am I? And, and, but in a way that's been really great because to normalize, I mean, there's a, there's a trend on TikTok of having autism. I'm like, what, how did this get popular? I mean, kids will be kids, you know, they don't understand everything, but. I think it's great that you can say, um, I have ADHD, I'm depressed, I'm this, I'm that, and no one's freaking out and, like, shunning you, and um, hopefully that carries over throughout generations, and, and it, it doesn't, it's not a hot topic, it's just a normal part of everyday interactions with people and accepting people. Accepting people that, uh, for who they are. Yeah, and if, once we accept ourselves, it makes it a lot easier down the road for others to accept us. So that's definitely a first step. That is excellent. That is excellent. Well, thanks for coming today, Joy. I truly appreciate you, your Paul. time. Thanks for getting me out of the rain and <laughs> out of my house with my cat in my vacuum. <laughs> no, this is terrific. This is terrific. And we'll have you back again. But this is from the aspect and the insight of someone who's gone through uh, the, the path that you've gone down and to see how successful you really are is is phenomenal. And I love you, you. and I appreciate you. I love you too, Paul. Thank you. Right. Good night. <laughs> Thank you for listening. And until next time, this is Paul Ellis reminding you to invest in what you love.